Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Welcome to another uh, semi-special episode where I'm going to update you on my life. So I haven't done this uh, for a while now because I've been so busy doing stuff. It's crazy how much time stuff takes. Um, I've recently gone, you know, I'll say full-time in property. It's sort of 90% in property and 10% doing bits from my recruitment business. I recently finished a contract, which was kind of a nine to five, but it was so much fun. It didn't feel like one. And so I'm kind of, yeah, I've made the jump to going back to being self-employed. And I think for me, it's not a huge jump or shift. You know, my home office was always sitting here. I was using it after work when I had a nine to five. I was using it on the weekends. You know, I've kind of, I think two years ago, I made that actual big, big jump to get out of proper work and into being, you know, self-employed and doing a bit of consulting work. So I think for me, it wasn't such a big jump. So I'm not really going to talk about that too much, but I am sort of struggling to take the breaks when I need it, kind of balance things out and get back into a routine and a habit. But, you know, these things take a bit of time. I'm also in Wales, you know, two to three days a week now. So, you know, it kind of helps with my, it doesn't help my habits and my kind of routine forming, but it definitely helps have a, a change of scenery, right? I mean, my my six office plants, I'm actually getting seven or eight because I'm uh, I'm taking some cuttings and I'm growing them. Anyways, not interested in plants. A great company, don't get me wrong, but they don't really have much to say. You know, they don't really give me much feedback. They just sort of stare at me and agree with everything. So, yeah. And that is a tip in itself for people. When you go self-employed, set your routine, your habits beforehand and do not break them. Just don't break them. You know, what? I'll do a different podcast, actually, on becoming self-employed and working from home and things like that because I think that'll help a lot of people so I wanted to give you an update on where I am in property so this will be going out on a Monday or a Tuesday uh, in early May it's actually a year from the time I won a ticket and attended the progressive property masterclass is it May yeah it was May and I haven't achieved anything really um I've got one property which, you know, I wouldn't make a Tej Talks podcast, would I? A uh, man buys one property in 12 months. He wouldn't want to hear from that, would you? Um, and I think that's really made me reflect on the hell have I been doing. Um, I know for sure for about two months after it, I was focusing on like the podcast and recruitment and the other business idea that I had at the time. And then I got into another con. I was finishing off a contract, then got into this contract, which definitely slowed down my journey um, when I was at Babylon Health. But that's me being critical because it was a part of my journey and made me a, a stronger, better human being and, and gave me some human contact, you know. And that, and that was so important for my mental health and for anyone's health. So, you know, kind of reflecting on that, I've, I'm just thinking, you know, really? I've done one in a year. That, that's that's pretty shit that's rubbish um and i think it is personally and you know kind of because of that things are kicking up you know becoming a lot more active should i say since i've become full-time 90 percent, i 
I just had a lot more time to get stuff done. You know, I mean, the view the week before last, I had ten viewings, eight offers, no, nine offers, all rejected, but they're still there. Uh, this week, I had twelve viewings, plus a couple through a saucer, and there's about eleven offers out, plus the ones that the sources have sent out, like on my behalf. So, and I intend an auction as well, and I'll talk about that. So things things are picking up, and I've uh, I found that actually beforehand after work I was looking at property but I couldn't actually go and view it because I had to I didn't have to work five days a week you know I could have done it as many days as I liked and I did view some in Birmingham but I think I've known all along that really I should have been looking at Wales but I don't know why it's taken me so long to get to this point it's very irritating you might hear it in my voice um and you know I and especially with the last two months of the contract I was like you know what I told on just work five days a week four week for four weeks of the month just stack that cheddar get that paper that dollar because you're gonna need it when you know you're not doing rent to rent you're not doing SA yet you're you're buying stuff buy to let it's gonna take months before you see any income even then you're covering costs and you need a bit of upfront capital I don't I found investors and we'll always find investors however you know, I'm buying the first one with my own cash for the deposit anyway, which we'll get to. And I'm buying a few more with my own cash because I'm literally doing nothing else with it. It's sitting in the bank, getting getting nothing, you know, losing value, right? as we all know happens in property. So, you know, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful for the opportunity it gave me and, and the money that it allowed me to sort of collect. Um, but it definitely is quite irritating to reflect on what I've done and just have one property to show from it. But also what comes from that is, you know, we shouldn't attach timeframes and sort of limits to our success because the next year, you know, I'm easily going to be buying... I don't quite even give you a number because I have no sort of upper limit, but in the next year we're buying at least, at least 20 properties. And I'm saying this now and I'm accountable for it and it's, it's going to be more than 20. Like, it's def- like I, I'm ready right now to buy three so, you know, any of these offers come through, I could own three by the next time you have this uh, Tej episode. So, you know, onwards and upwards, moving on from what was not necessarily the best year for property, but was a very good year for, you know, Tej Talks and my personal brand. Um, I've got a my first sort of public speaking gig in like in pure property. So Daniel Hennessy and Scott Williams both um, have an event called Connect Property Network. Check it out on Facebook. I added them both. Really, really great guys. Good friends. Are both based, both, ugh, both based up north. Dan's from London, but he moved to Liverpool. And Scott's from, I don't know, Crew maybe somewhere, somewhere in the north. Um, and that's on the fifth of June. Uh, if you use the discount code First Ten, you get ten quid off. Ten quid's a, ten quid's like half of lunch for me. So that's a good bit of money. Yeah. So attend and watch. Um, I'm going to be talking about all things branding, social media, marketing, using your brand and personality to attract investors, get the best deals and and build relationships really. And I've got Adam Huzzy, who's also speaking at the event, uh, who's also on the podcast. So hopefully you both know our sort of stories, but I'm really going to delve into the the sort of non-property stuff, but that applies to property heavily. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, My friend Alex Milburn, who was on the podcast, and his is titled, I think it was Zero to... I can't remember how many SA units and a million pound turnover in, in less than a year. I'm speaking at one of his events that he's doing at the end of the year and he's he's asked me to come and do that. And again, on a similar kind of topic. So 
it's been a good sort of year for that, but it is it is irritating and it does make me sad to think of how little I feel I've achieved. And it's important to talk about this because we're all going to have times when we feel that way about life, about relationships, about career, whatever it is. Um, and it's okay, you know, to have these feelings, but what's important is to reflect and learn from them. So yeah, moving on from that, I want to talk to you about my first property deal. I own a house right now. Woo! I've I don't sound so excited, do I? Yeah, because it's just going to be headache after headache. But it's addictive. Like, it is addictive. Getting the first one was a pain in the arse. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to do it again and again and again. So this is good, though, because this is a sign that I love doing this. I love doing property, project managing everyone, getting things sorted, building relationships, looking for deals, speaking to agents. I love this stuff, which, you know... I don't think you're necessarily ever 100% sure about something until you have moments like this. And I'm like, oh, I kind of miss like pushing the solicitors and having to put stuff in bold and red and yellow highlights so they understand it. Hmm. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a funny one because you wouldn't think you'd miss that. But yeah, curse of an entrepreneur, right? You love that stuff, even though it's, it, it is a pain. So when I talk to you about my first deal, um, I completed on Thursday, and that was Thursday the 3rd of May, and I believe that was about two months, two months and a bit since like we sort of first had the offer accepted. Now, if you, ha- if you don't know about the details of my deal, I'll quickly run you through them. So it's a house in Neath in South Wales, so it's not really the Valleys, kind of a town near Swansea. Yeah, I need to work on that accent. Not as good as my doodly accent, is it? That right? And that's that was offer accepted at fifty thousand pounds. It should revalue looking at comparables for about seventy-five to eighty-five thousand pounds, depending on the finish. It's actually in pretty good condition. Uh, it's kind of had like a ninety-five percent refurb. There's a bit of damp due to some poor guttering. Garden needs clearing. It's magnolia, so I'm kind of you know, considering what to do with this, because the market in the area, speaking to agents, it's, it's just not going to add much more to have it white. But I'm going to paint the kitchen white and put some funky flooring in there and potentially paint the lounge sort of white as well, just to give it a kind of touch and maybe have a signature, something yellow in there, signature, I don't know, maybe in the pictures. So this is going to be a buy to hold. So all in, including sourcing fee, project management, surveys, everything. I believe I'm in for 63 grand. 75% of the end value we've put in worst case, I think it was 80, is 60. So leaving in three grand, it should net 250 a month. The roast is, is pretty decent. Uh, even if it undervalues a bit, we're still good in terms of the return on cash employed or left in. So it's, it's a good deal, right? And there's not a huge refurb to do, which means it's not too labor or cash intensive and it won't take too long to get it tenanted. So the build team are going in on May the 13th should be done by June the 10th. I mean, I'll have a a tenant ready before that, you know. Agents were saying they need houses. Every single agent I spoke to, I I don't trust one agent, but I trust five saying the same thing, um, that their houses are just flying off the market. They just haven't got enough in in semi-decent condition because landlords just... I think there's a lot of maybe older landlords who have the properties, can't bother to renovate it, and they're just like, why are you not letting it out? You know, what's wrong with it? It's it's great. And you walk in, you're like... (sighs) 
this doesn't smell great, this doesn't look great. So there's an interesting like ecosystem going on there that, you know, the agents were kind of telling me about. But always, you know, always a pinch of salt with what agents say. So, you know, this has taken a lot longer than it should have. You may have seen some of my posts on Facebook. I wasn't whining. I was just commenting and sharing, you know, what's happening, okay? Um, it essentially had, I had a broker who's a friend and it, he just didn't, he didn't handle it correctly put it frankly um he knows this i know this you know we're still friends but you know it, it wasn't handled correctly that's fine there was no fee to pay um but the first piece of advice is one use a broker 1.01 feedback or 1a is don't use a broker so you should use a broker in 98 percent of cases uh because they're going to be super helpful they're going to get stuff done they're going to have a relationship with the BDMs or underwriters in the the lender's company, which is so important because sometimes lenders won't pass certain things or they'll want certain forms and blah blah blah. If your broker has a good relationship, they will they'll make it happen, right? So and there's no way for you to know this apart from just chatting to them before. So I chat to a lot of brokers generally and just say you ask them questions and say, ah, who does this bridge to let product? Oh cool. Um you know will Kent Reliance remortgage before six months? Oh they will oh cool okay but what about this though? Because the refer, you know, so I'm always talking to people. And then what you learn is with these brokers is you learn who has a good relationship because they'll say, ah, I was speaking to the BDM later. We'll see what we can do. And they'll get back to you. And they, you know, should be very honest and say, look, this is what we found out. This is what we said. Maybe we can get it through. Maybe we can't. We'll need to look at it closer. So you want one who's proactive and happy to sort of find things out for you, right? Because they're not going to know everything, but they should know a lot of stuff. And secondly, don't use a broker if you're using a bridging firm who will go direct to you. For example, there's some private funds. Um, I met one at an event and I was potentially going to use him for this deal. He he just works directly with people, generally speaking. Together, who this bridging loan was with, who were taken ages, it, it, they were taken slightly too long, but it was mainly the broker. Um, now, with Together, you can go direct to them. And everyone, every broker I've spoken to about Together hates them every person who's gone direct to them really likes them so i don't know if together are trying to stop people going through brokers they probably are apparently it's cheaper i don't know but with someone like together go directly um i i applied for auction finance the other day got it pre-approved at 75 percent loan to value of course they could drop it and pull out any time but at least it's an agreement in principle right but i've had people my friend my friend jesse said do he's um he's got mortgage finance um, auction finance in four days they didn't even value it did it online so there we go four days later so things are possible quickly maybe not as quick as four days but you know don't use a broker if it's someone like them who you can go directly to secondly have all your shit together uh my forms i'm self-employed my account everything's a little bit messy and that is changing now i'm in the process of cleaning it up like right now but when it comes to this stuff, have it ready, have it in a folder for broker every month, just download all your statements, just chuck them in there, pay slips, whatever, just chuck them in there because they want the most updated one and you don't want to have to do it reactively. You want to, when your broker says, cool, you know, let, let's get started, you, you shouldn't even have to wait for them to say what they want. Send them the file and say, this is everything you need, isn't it? They're going to say yes. Carry on. And now 
The only people to blame are not you if things slow down because you've given everything. Always clarify from the beginning, you know, if you're self-employed. For example, my SA302s look slightly different to other people's apparently because I use .gov verify, I haven't used HMRC or some, I don't know. But basically together wouldn't accept them. And that's irritating, right? That's very irritating because um, I have no other SA302s. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's essentially a way of showing how much tax you paid for the year, i.e. how much salary you've taken if you're self-employed because you don't have pay slips per se. So that didn't work. And that was obviously told to me very last minute. I had to then get an accountant's reference. I don't have an accountant. My girlfriend's mum is an accountant, but not through her company, just as a person. She helps me every now and then. Um, I do the accounts myself for my recruitment company, which is what they needed because they're very straightforward. And yes, you can do your own accounts and publish them to Companies House and HMRC. A lot of people tell me, no, no, you need an accountant, but you don't. Mine's a micro accounts, so it's turnover less than, I don't know, 250k or something like that. So all the paperwork and stuff was very, very irritating. However, I complained to, together. I tweeted them, as I do with any company that messes around. I also wrote a very vitriolic review on Trustpilot, like very. Got a call literally next day from the senior underwriter and he said, look, we're so sorry, blah, blah, blah. We saw the review. Obviously, we don't like that review because that's not reflective of what happened, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. Well, that's what happened according to me. But actually, what it meant was I'm now texting the senior underwriter who's like, Tej, no, we want to work with you, want to help you. You know, no, 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 let's sort this out. And I was like, look, is that account address going to be fine? Are the SA3s going to be fine? He was like, look, yes we'll sort it out we'll get it done all because i complained so don't do the whole british pc thing and, and eat the cold food send that shit back you know that's the, send it back complain because things happen when you complain we have every right to when we have bad service that we're paying for or that we're about to pay for or that we're owed a good service on t tell them how it is you know because people deserve to know the feedback and actually in this case it helped me so much because you know, I, I didn't use them, and we'll get to that in a second, but he was saying, no, 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 we'll work it out, we'll work it out. And he's like, now in the next deal, text me directly, we'll get it sorted out. He introduced me to some other guy in together who's like, you know, speaking to me now about, you know, doing stuff direct. So it really does help to kind of get up, stand up for your rights. Um, now, another thing that took me by surprise was the house is buying, I'm buying it for 50, it's worth about 80. Now the surveyor went in from together and said, it's worth... It'll, take, it'll cost £170,000 to rebuild. If you do the maths, that's more than double what the house is worth. And in Wales, it doesn't cost much to do anything. Um, it doesn't cost much to build a house. However, apparently this is normal. I put it on the No BS HMO group. If you're not in it, join it. And everyone was like, yeah, that's totally normal. Totally normal. You know, you got to think about clearing away the site. You know, if something's a fire happened, you got to think about literally removing everything and then building it again. I still think it's too high, but, you know, surveyors are so good at their jobs, you know. They're, they're so, yeah, they really value things right, so I'm going to believe them. That's sarcasm. So that doubled my insurance premium. And actually, another thing that doubled my insurance premium is an unoccupied period. So obviously, I'm getting a refurb done, so it'll be unoccupied for you know, 35, 40, 50 days, maybe. At the beginning, this was going to double my premium and then double it again because of the 170k valuation and then bring it back down. So... That was quite irritating to see the number literally double in front of my face. But then uh, I used Pinder. You probably all know him from Falcon Insurance. Um, everyone kind of recommends him on Facebook. And got a decent quote. Um, and that basically included unoccupancy cover. Unoccupant, uh, unoccupied cover for 60 days. Which was great because it's all included in the price. The premium is still double what I expected. 
thank you, Mr. Surveyor, for that. Hope you are happy. I think another thing is with when you're when you're lending money, so borrowing money off a company, things can take days. Like you can send a form back in and it can take days to come back to you. So that's why I say at the beginning, have all your stuff together and give it to them all at once. And if you're working with a broker, they should tell you, look, this is what we need. This is how we're going to package it. I know how this company like to look at it. I need this, this and this. Tell me this, this and this. And see you later, Mr. Mrs. Client. I'm going to go to the, the lender. I'm going to get the money. We're going to sort it. That's what you need from the beginning. So don't underestimate the paperwork. Get a complete list and clarify exactly what you need. But also be patient. Um, the thing is, if you've promised a vendor a quick sale, which I did, I mean, they weren't too fussed about it. They were still, you know, getting a bit irritated. Then you need to do that. And you need to have your yourself correct to do that. So paperwork's so important. So, so, so important. Uh I think something else to note or a tip is that your power of your network is incredible. When I needed an accountant, I text my friend Indy who's an accountant and said, hey, I need an accountant on this. He said, look, I can do it. But for various reasons, they may not accept it because it's not an accountancy firm. So the stamp might be different. I didn't know that. I don't have a clue. But he told me that and he introduced me to one of his friends who was an accountant to potentially look at it. Um, You know, I spoke to a few brokers online who happened to reach out via Facebook and say, look, what are you looking for? Can we do this? Can we do this? I spoke to my friend Jesse, who I mentioned before, who put me in touch with someone together, gave me a few options. You know, every single person who I interacted with about this deal, get, you know, gave me something very useful, whether it's knowledge, whether it's another contact. I had someone introduce me to an investor, which is which is awesome. So I didn't use the investor on this occasion, which we'll get to, but definitely stay in contact with him. Uh and he wants to start a podcast as well. So I'm helping him get that kind of set up uh, as I'm writing my podcast Bible master cl- f- uh, document thing at the moment to, to kind of put up for people to download. Uh, so th- my network really, really helped me out. And it, it also kept me kind of sane to hear people having various issues or also issues that are taking way longer than mine. So, you know, mine's not that bad. And, and actually, when we compare it, to what could have happened or what could be going with the house it's actually pretty good so but but i think it serves as a nice reminder is you know you expect stuff to get done in three four weeks and it takes double that and if you're depending on that income which is not a lot from a single let by to let <laughs> you've now have to wait another month and then probably a bit longer because the bill team are probably not going to be ready for the date that you told them they should be ready for etc etc so really, if you need income, rent to rent, rent to SA, that's where you need to be because you're just not going to get that from a buy to let. You will get it eventually and from many, you know, even with a HMO. A HMO, one or two HMOs can cover your income, depending on your income, but they could take more months than you expect. And they probably will, right? But you're going to love the process. Well, you might not, but you know, you're probably going to love it if you're in property, right? Now, another another interesting piece is you can trust some people. You thought I was going to say you can't. I am not easy. I trust people when it comes to, I'll share my knowledge with anyone. I'll have a laugh with you. We'll have some fun. Generally with most people. And I think I'm good at detecting when someone is trustworthy or not. And you can tell a lot from Facebook and interactions and, and things like that. Now, when it came to this property, I'm, I'm buying it through a sourcer who I've known for, well, actually from a year, met him at the masterclass. Uh, you might know him, Sean Forsey. It's on Facebook. Now, this property... I didn't view it. I am a stickler for due diligence, making sure everything, I didn't view it. He said, call me up and said, here's the deal. 
you know, here's the figures, what we think. And I said, I'll have it. But I said, let me see some pictures first at the very least. Sent the pictures over. Pictures were standard, nothing, you know. I couldn't see everything in the house, but I trusted him, you know. And I said, yeah, it's mine, done. I actually didn't view it until two weeks ago, which was about two weeks before completion. So sometimes you can trust people uh, as long as they've proven it, right? Don't just trust, you know, if a sourcer comes up to you and says, I've got a deal, never buy it without viewing it if they're a new sourcer. Never, yeah? N-E-V-E, never do that. Because there's a lot of shit sources out there. I'll do another podcast on sources, actually. But there's also amazing ones. But still, you know, always view things first. Because what you can do is on the viewing, you can verify if their comparables are correct, their style of viewing, their rapport with the agent. What You know, it, it's a lot, right? It's worth it. But I thought at the time, I was like, oh, I'm not driving two hours to view this. Like, it's it, you know, he's not sourcing it to me to rip me off. So it's fine. And then I viewed it and I was like, wow, this is actually bigger and better than the pictures. So... That was quite a pleasant surprise, actually. Um, and the estate agent wasn't sort of... Uh, she didn't really mind that I hadn't seen it before. So, I, I don't know. Maybe they're used to people just buying stuff. Um, and I think, you know, what was really important throughout this whole... Pro- is that I didn't get the money from Together. Because it took so long. And it would have taken, I think, another week to get the money. And the reason is, I don't have a sister. I'm using a conveyancing legal firm which is cheaper and by all intents and purposes i don't need a solicitor when i'm just buying with cash um or maybe yeah or even with a mortgage i'm not sure but i don't need it when i'm buying with cash now obviously bridging is cash but it's technically not cash because it's not your cash but it's cash so uh thanks to my convincing firm didn't tell me even when i mentioned bridging they didn't say to me oh by the way you might need a solicitor and thanks together for not telling me till the last second where they said um uh, has this firm got any partners, any solicitors? And I was like, uh, let me check. I'm sure they're all solicitors. Nope, not a single one. But they're conveyances. So that meant I had have, I would have had to spend another £1,000 or so on a solicitor to deal with bridges. So when it comes to bridging, hey, listen, it's not just that, you know, in, out, monthly, cost, whatever. There's a cost of solicitors, which, look, if you had a solicitor instead of a conveyancing executive they'd be able to handle it, but they would charge you more. And it can be quite expensive from what I've understood and from the ones I've spoken to, right? So bear that in mind when you're bridging, just to know the difference. But also also bear in mind if you're buying with cash or, you know, I'm not sure with mortgages if they need solicitors or conveyances, but if you're buying with cash, get conveyances because they're cheaper. You know, why pay a solicitor when you don't necessarily need it? Look, I'm not giving you legal advice or financial advice. I'm not qualified, but consider it right because it'll save you save me 300 quid um and if you're buying like multiple at once or if you're doing loads of deals you know that that does add up right for for what i believe would be the same service really maybe quicker because this is all they do as conveyances so that was irritating i was like so got the accountant's reference you know ready to you know sa302s were semi-approved because they saw the accountant's reference oh i need a solicitor I thought we fixed this yesterday. Nope. Cool. At that point, I was like, oh, you're kidding me, right? Like, this is this is a bit annoying now. But one thing I noticed about myself was despite being totally overwhelmed and a little bit burnt out from, you know, viewings and driving and, do- and dealing with all of this stuff and this kind of stuff that's new to me uh, and having to do it, it was quite time sensitive, I... I just sort of was like handling it really well. Like my mind wasn't thinking about, oh, damn it. Of course, I, you know, of course I was like, ugh, 
But a second later, I was like, okay, cool. That's the problem. Let's break this down. What's the solution? I need this, this, and this. Okay, who who can get me that? Where can I get it from? Okay, cool. Pick up the phone, get on Facebook, get on LinkedIn. Do what I need to do to resolve the problem. So I'm quite proud of myself. Um, you know, we should celebrate moments like this because I know a year or two ago, I would have been like, oh my God, why am I doing this? You know, just being spoiled about it or whatever. But I handled it. I handled my business, uh, which was good. So, you know, that kind of got me through. And then after I looked back, I was like, whoa, that was that was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot in my head to deal with. Um, my hair's thinning a little bit, you know. Even when I put oil in it, still thinning. This property business. Listen, I will I will give up property to keep my hair. I'm telling you. I need this lion's mane on my head. Yes, I called it a lion's mane myself. Anyways, um, apart from that stressful experience of my follicles, uh, it was it was an interesting experience. So my friend Daniel Hennessy called me up and said, Ted, what are you doing, mate? You're a recruiter, aren't you? Yeah? Get your sales hat on. Call everyone you know. I bet some of the people on your show, I bet, I bet they will invest in you, mate. They like you, yeah? They've been on the show. Investors, call them get off your arse do something and I was like I was like you know what you are right and he called like at the right time it's funny how these things happen he called at the perfect time gave me a kick up the backside and I called emailed whatsapp voice note every single person I could think of within that time frame got quite a few responses got one two got three or four interested parties one were very serious in terms of they had the money because they'd invested with other people I know. So I'm very thankful for that person for introducing me to them. You know who you are. And the others I don't know yet, but you know, we're talking, we're building relationships. I'm saying, look, this is what I've got coming up. You know, what are you looking for? So it definitely worked to an extent. I also met some private bridges and spoke to them. So what happened was I said to together, you know what, allow it, let's leave it because this extra cost and then trying to transfer my file to a solicitor who's going to charge me more to get to know me again, because why wouldn't they, right? They're not going to just take it off this list and carry on, most of them. Pain in the backside. So um, I thought, you know what, forget this. I need an option. So I spoke to the investor. That was 1% a month. But again, there would have been a £1,000 solicitor fee from his end to sort stuff out. And I thought, okay, this is better though because they're not going to have to take my file and stuff like that and go through all that. But then I thought, hold on a minute. I need it this week really to complete this week. Like he said he could do it this week, but I just thought you know what, it, the cost and everything just, it didn't stack. So I said to my mum, I said, yo mama. No, I didn't say that. I said, um, hi mum. Um, I said, look, you're, you're making what, 0.5% in the bank? Like, listen, let's just not mess about. Why don't I give you 6% a year? Yeah, and it's secured because she calf owns the property anyway because she's in the SPV with me because uh, she's a lot more mortgageable, because she she has a home, and she's an adult, and she has a proper job, and all that kind of stuff, so it's a bit easier, so I said, you, you actually own half of it, I'll, you know, I'm not going to put pay for a charge on it, but you own half of it, I'll, in writing, so you, she was like, I don't care, just take the money, just give it back, like, just give it back to me, just don't lose it, you know, you always hear about these things on TV, I was like, mom, I'm your son, man, don't worry about it, innit? I'll bring it back, full money, full, so that convinced her, um, and so she she transferred me pretty much 75% of the purchase price. So thanks, uh, Bank of Mum. Best bridging lender you'll find. No checks, nothing. Didn't even check my ID, mate. Could have been anyone. Um, so I borrowed that from her. I'm giving her that percentage of return at the end. Even though she doesn't want it, I don't care because I'm giving it to her. Because I want to show her that stop keeping your money 
in these ices. Um, and again, really good timing because when I called her, it just so happened she was going to put, you know, th- this money that she gave me into an ISA that I don't think you can withdraw it out of for a year or something. And then what happened was she was doing it and she had to walk off to get the phone or something and the session timed out. And she came back and was like, oh, I bother, I'll do it later. And then I call and say, you know, can we do this? So it's kind of funny how things work out. So I managed to borrow that off her. And that's awesome. So I now own the house unencumbered, which also gave me another thought. I can borrow against it because it's unencumbered. By giving a bridging lender a first charge on it, they will loan me 75% purchase price of, of a new ne- another property. And they'll give me that 25% deposit because they've got a first charge on my house that's unencumbered worth, what, 50 to 80 grand. So, yeah. If you buy houses with cash and they're unencumbered, consider this strategy because I've spoken to brokers and it exists and it works. I think it's called cross-asset lending or bridging, but they use that as security. So I'm going to get 100% bridging finance. Only problem is I'm trying to remortgage this property in Neath at 80 grand in six months once the refurb's done, right? Refurb's five grand if I didn't mention it before. If I take a bridge out, really I need to pay that back before six months. So they remove the first charge and the mortgage lender can come in and sit on the first charge. Potentially though, I can, you know, borrow 100% of something and then remortgage that and also remortgage this one at the same time later than six months just to get the benefit of 100%, you know, funding, which is an interesting concept, right? And when I realised that today, I thought, hmm, okay, I like this cash business. If only I had lots more of it. Uh, So just something interesting and a tip for everyone listening. But, you know, it's been an interesting journey. It's, It's been you know, up and down, it's been arduous, I like that word, tumultuous at times, yeah, good word as well, but, you know, if I can do it, you can do it, we can all do it, you know, uh, it's, it takes a lot of, I think, emotional intelligence, it takes a lot of patience and project management skills, because you're project managing the deal, and you're project managing your life, and your brand, and your other business, and what, what, what have you, right, so, you know, just be ready for things to take a bit longer, be good at taking deep breaths before responding to things. Uh, use bold and colours effectively because, yeah, people listen sometimes when things are in bold, especially solicitors. Uh, and, you know, be proactive. You know, this, as soon as I've started going to Wales every week, meeting people, viewing things, going to the auction, things have just shot up in the space of literally uh, three weeks, sorry. Like, you know, with agents... I'm really building a great relationship with some of them. Like I've walked into three or four of them and I kind of went in ready to say, hi, it's Tej. You know, we met a few weeks ago. You know, maybe you don't remember. I walked in, Tej, how we doing? And I was like, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, hi, hi. Yeah, you remember me? Oh my God, hey. And I've only been there once before, but I've been on a couple of viewings, had a bit of banter, took the mick out of them, you know, took the mick out of me, good bit of banter. And and that was it. And I just think, well, you know, if you go into London, this is a bit different. You know, people in the valleys are a bit nicer, a bit older, maybe a bit more experienced. So a bit more mature to deal with. Uh, but that was quite nice, you know, to. And what I do is between viewings, I quickly run over to Neath, pop in, park the car, free parking for two hours, get out and just walk into the agent and say, you're right. What you got for me? And funnily enough, on Wednesday, when I had loads of viewings in the valleys, I had about an hour free. So I went to the usual lot. uh Hey, how we doing? What you got for me? Cool. Printed out three properties. Cool. I'll get these booked in. Uh, went to another one and said, 
that I know and was like, all right, go on. What are we doing? Go on. I've got, I've got 20 minutes before I have to leave. You know, what are we doing? Have a bit of a laugh with them, you know, whatever, whatever. And I was like, oh, go on then, on our lunch break. Took me over to the property, which was a walk away, which actually happened to be a commercial property that could be converted into residential. And it could be a very little money left in again. Quite a nice little property. Uh, and that was great. And we walked there, which meant we had five minutes both ways to talk, to get to know each other and to build rapport. Um, there was another one where I did the same thing. I said, you know, this property looks interesting. You know, what, what, what are we saying? Can we, can we go now? He's like, yeah, go on then. Locked up the shop and we went again, building rapport. And then we, I went to another one, which I hadn't actually been into before. I literally just walked in like, hey, howdy y'all. Um, I got, I saw a little sign on a property just two roads away. Can I view it please? Hi, I'm Tej. Nice to meet you. And it was kind of, he was like in the middle of his filing cabinet. He was like, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, hi, yeah, sure, cool, let's do it. So 10 minutes later, met him there old photography studio again which could be converted and potentially will stack and i'm going to offer on that as well sort of subject to planning potentially going to try and ask the vendor if they'll pay i think it's a couple hundred quid because i think they they want to get rid of it and if they can pay for planning and we can get it sorted then we're good uh so that's my first full reign to commercial units also viewed some pretty pretty nice commercial units actually some shops and some very interesting stuff that I will talk about on a video on my Facebook and IGTV. I'll talk about it this Saturday, actually. No, it, last Saturday. You, you would have seen it already, hopefully. Um, and the next day, I went to view the agents that I'm buying the property through. Bought them some cookies, met them all, had such a laugh, really good time. You know, really, we just got on. And I think there's nothing special to it. I think I just I just do what I do, you know, talk about this, show them my Welsh accent, you know, tell them what I'm looking for, just, yeah, chat about things in general, you know. Uh, look at what they've got for sale. And actually, while I was there, I was like, look, I'm here. Can I have the keys for the property? And then, so there and then, we basically chased both our solicitors and said, look, let's complete. Let's complete. So they did it. A few minutes over the phone. Boom. Got the keys. Thank you very much. Uh, and what was really nice to see was one of them, who I viewed with before, had my business card on her desk just there. And she was like, ah, I've got your business card. That's no, that's Newcastle. That's not Welsh. I've got your business card on my desk. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm I'm gonna get in contact with you and I will find what you're looking for. So you know, yeah, agents can say that all day long and they can chat, but when you've bought a property through them, it definitely adds a lot more credibility, right? Especially if you've done it with cash because they don't know where it's come from, but they know that you've got money in your spending. So, and you've put in offers before, right? So I'll do another podcast on how to speak to agents but i've got a collaboration actually with ravi and james the J- the james and ravi show was it yeah uh on youtube check them out they are hilarious we filmed loads of content i'm just trudging through and editing it at the moment but there's some on my youtube channel if you're on youtube which i assume we all are uh follow me tej.talks uh subscribe and check out some of the videos they're quite useful and they're a bit longer than the usual ones i post on facebook so i hope this has been a useful podcast for everyone especially if you're buying your first property or if you're new to property uh, I hope I haven't just rambled on because I've kind of forgotten what I've spoken about because I'm so shattered from I got back last night at midnight from Wales because I went all over the valleys viewed a very very interesting property in the valley yesterday uh, a huge huge house if that was anywhere else it would be an incredible HMO or, or kind of block of two flats and then went to the, the, the auction and then I went to, to a networking event for like nine and drove back to London and one last thing I saw someone at the at the network at the auction I was like hmm, okay 
look interesting. You're buying a couple of things. Kind of looked my age. Uh, and I was like, all right, cool. I was going to say hi, but we just didn't get a chance to. He's going to be on Homes Under the Hammer soon because they were filming it. I also tried to get on Homes Under the Hammer. I wore a very bright pink jumper and I stood kind of in the middle of the camera and kept smizing at the camera. The odd wink here and there. So I'm hoping one of the cut shots would just be me, you know, taking notes, not bidding for anything, sitting on my hands, literally. Um, and he found me via Instagram via the hashtag Homes Under the Hammer and just messaged me. And turns out he's got like a really big property management company and lettings company and has loads of properties all over the house and all over Wales so the power of a hashtag is something I'm going to leave you with and also come to the event on the 5th of June in Crew Connect Property Network it's my first big talk uh tickets are going quickly I'll put a link in the show notes again hope this has been useful if it hasn't please tell me because I don't want to put content out like this that isn't useful but I hope it is come to the event Leave a review, please, if you have it. We've also got an amazing competition with Rich Little. You can win a skydive. What podcast lets you win a skydive? I mean, come on, this is like, wow. I'm I'm not entering this competition because I don't want to skydive. But it's it's pretty cool, eh? You know, you know what I mean? So, yeah, enter that. Go on my Instagram. It's the third post along or, or fifth by the time you see this. And enter the competition. It's really simple. Join the mailing list, tedge-talks.com slash property. And get in touch with me you know i respond to my dms and my messages i'd love to hear from you and have a wonderful day if you like this podcast connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content